forgot how much I love this show. Um, I listened to it a little while ago. I'm not sure when, but it's like it's just one of the shows people listen to it a lot. You see it a lot on like Broadway scan accounts. It's a German one, more of this, but um, yeah, it's just really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I kind of liked it at first, but then, like as I was listening to the playlist, I was kind of like, uh, I feel like a lot of these songs are just along the same lines as one another. Yeah, it's all just very folksy. And like folksy is fine, but when it goes into kind of the country <laughs> sector, is just uh, not my my idea of a yeah. Like I liked the um, you're going back, like you're going back to jail song. That one was fun. I like <laughs> I like the vibe of it. But then there was, was a, couple, the, a couple other songs like that. And I'm like, why do we need like four of these? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, like it always starts with like them kind of riffing a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it was it, it was fun. And like I'm it's a good show. I I wouldn't say it's my favorite show. I also yeah, I think the, the two leads really help it along. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, they're just so talented. Yeah. Um I mean we're all talking about I'm talking about musical right now. So hi everybody. Welcome to episode number twenty six of History of the Spotlight. I'm Max Cowan. I'm Anna Kalutane. Um, and today we're talking about Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie Yay. and Clyde. Yes, or Clyde and Bonnie, as Clyde prefers. But, you know. Um, yeah, so the musical centers on Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow, the ill-fated lovers and Olavis, whose story has been infamous since they achieved folk hero status during the Great Depression. So, Anna, can I do you want to talk about, the, uh, about Bonnie and Clyde? Sure. Um, so, Bonnie and Clyde were an American criminal couple Uh, They were at large during the public enemy era of the Great Depression. They robbed banks, small stores, and rural gas stations. And during their time uh, as criminals, they killed at least nine police officers and four civilians. And they ended all their crimes uh, in May of 1934 when they were killed during a police ambush near Gibsland, Louisiana. So we'll begin with the early life of Bonnie Parker. So Bonnie Elizabeth Parker was born October 1st, 1910 in Rowena, Texas. She was the second of three children to father Charles and Emma Parker. Charles was a bricklayer, but died when Bonnie was only one year old. And after he passed, Bonnie's mother moved the family back to her parents' home in Cement City, which was an industrial suburb in West Dallas, where she found work as a seamstress. During high school, Bonnie met Roy Thornton. Uh, They both dropped out of school and got married on the 25th of September, 1926, six days before Bonnie's 16th birthday. So a lot of six, six, sixes in there, that sentence. Um, (laughs) Bad omen. (laughs) Bad omen for things to come. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The marriage was short-lived and as he was having a lot of run-ins with the law and Bonnie soon moved in Uh, with her mother again, and and worked as a waitress in Dallas. Uh, While the couple never divorced, they never saw each other again after 1929. It was interesting because she actually kept her wedding ring and died wearing her wedding ring. And so that was kind of a... Even though she was was like on the run with Clyde. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think I had read an article and it was saying like, oh, 10 fun facts about Bonnie and Clyde. And uh, one of them was like, oh, Bonnie always wore a wedding ring, but it wasn't from Clyde. Ooh. (laughs) And after having read the Wikipedia article, I was like, okay, yeah, I I already knew that. Uh Um, The early life of Clyde Barrow. So Clyde Champion Barrow was born (laughs) March 24th, 1909 to a poor farming family in Ellis County, Texas. I mean, if you give your child the middle name Champion, they're gonna be a, they're gonna be an egghead. Like they're gonna be, so, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna be so it's, like. It's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. It's like dangers, my middle name. Yeah. Champions, my middle name. Oh, champion born to win. Yeah, champions, a dog from a Parks and Rec. Yeah, it's it's oh. a, it's a cute dog name, but not <laughs> fit for humans. Uh, so he was the fifth of seven children to father. Henry Basil Barrow and uh, mother Kumi Talitha Walker. I hope I'm pronouncing those properly. 
Mm -hmm. um, the family moved to Dallas in early 1920s and spent their first months there living under their wagon until they got enough money to buy a tent. Uh, Clyde was first arrested at the age of 17 in late 1926 after running from police when they confronted him over not returning a rental car on time. The second time he was arrested was after he and his brother Buck were caught for the possession of stolen turkeys. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, the turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> um, Clyde worked legitimate jobs from 1927 to 1929, but also partook in some crime at the same time, like cracking safes, uh, robbing stores, and stealing cars. He first met Bonnie through a mutual friend in January 1930, when Clyde was 20 and Bonnie was 19. They were smitten or immediately with one another. As a result, they spent a great deal of time together in the following weeks, but their fling was interrupted when Clyde was arrested and sent to jail for auto theft. Uh, Clyde was sent to Eastham Prison Farm in April 1930 at the age of 21, he escaped from the prison farm shortly after his incarceration using a weapon that Bonnie had actually smuggled him. Uh, he was recaptured shortly afterwards and sent back to prison. So during his time in prison, Clyde was repeatedly sexually assaulted and he retaliated by attacking and killing his tormentor with a pipe, crushing his skull. So this was his first killing. Um, Another inmate who was already serving a life sentence claimed responsibility. Um, there was a TV show that came out, I think when I was in middle school, so maybe like 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like a TV miniseries with, oh, I forget his name. Um, but you had like Holiday Granger as Bonnie and then the uh... guy from Into the Wild. It's called, uh, it's called, it's called Bonnie and Clyde. Um, Emile Hirsch. Yeah, I know, but I'm trying to remember the, yeah, Emile Hirsch. Yeah. Um, and when they, like, I, when they depicted that scene, it was just bleh, yeah. very, yeah, uh, graphic. And, uh, so just put a bad taste in my mouth. Um, yeah. In order to avoid hard labor in the fields, Clyde purposefully had two of his toes chopped off by either him or another inmate in late in late January 1932. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> yeah, I read. <laughs> it's just like it's so graphic. Yeah. yeah. Um, this the next part's well, not this next part but afterwards so like because of this he walked with a limp for the rest of his life this is the funny part however Clyde was set free six days after his intentional injury <laughs> so yeah <laughs> he didn't need to do it um, what was, what was he without his knowledge uh, I'll tell you okay, um, sorry. <laughs> without his knowledge <laughs> trust the process Max uh, with Without his knowledge, his mother had successfully petitioned for his release. Uh, he was paroled on the 2nd of February 1932 from Eastham as a hardened and bitter criminal. His sister Marie said, something awful sure has happened to him in prison because he wasn't the same person when he got out. In the post-Eastham, or in his post-Eastham career, Clyde robbed grocery stores, gas stations, at a rate far outpacing the 10 or so bank robberies attributed to him and the Barrow gang. Uh, so this is all from a Wikipedia page. I don't usually write like this. Um, his favorite weapon was an M1918 Browning automatic rifle. Uh, and apparently Clyde's goal in life was not to gain fame or fortune from robbing banks, but to seek revenge against the Texas prison system for the abuses that he suffered while serving time. Yeah. Yeah, there's like, something to be said about the prison system. Yeah. In it doesn't, seem like, it doesn't seem like they're very much. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So some yeah. early robberies and murders. That's a fun topic. Yeah. Um, after Clyde was released from prison, he and a fellow former inmate called Ralph Foltz began robbing a series of stores and gas stations. Apparently their goal was to collect enough money and firepower to launch a raid against Eastham Prison. 
On April 19th, Bonnie and Fultz were captured in a failed hardware store burglary during which they had intended to steal firearms. Bonnie was released from jail in a few months after a grand jury failed to indict her, but Fultz was tried, convicted, and served time. After that, he never rejoined the gang. So it was kind of like this the time of which they were operating, you had a bunch of people kind of joining the gang, kind of leaving the gang for a while, mm-hmm. maybe coming back, but they just have a bunch of different people. So sometimes you have, or in the series of the story, I'm going to have random people kind of popping in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, on August 5th, Clyde and two other friends were drinking moonshine at a country dance in Stringtown, Oklahoma, when Sheriff C.G. Maxwell and Deputy Eugene C. Moore approached them in the parking lot. Clyde and one of his friends opened fire, killing Moore and gravely injuring Maxwell. Moore was the first law officer that Barrow and his gang had killed, and overall they eventually murdered nine, as I said earlier. Um, On Christmas Day of 1932, Clyde and another member of his gang murdered Doyle Johnson, a young family man, while stealing his car in Temple, Texas. Clyde later killed Tarrant County Deputy Malcolm Davis on January 6, 1933, when he, Bonnie, and another Barrow gang member wandered into a police trap that was set for another criminal. Uh, On March 22, 1933, Clyde's brother, Buck, was granted a full pardon and released from prison, and he and his wife, Blanche, set up housekeeping with Bonnie, Clyde, and fellow Barrow gang member W.D. Jones in a temporary hideout in Joplin, Missouri. The police assembled a five-man force in two cars on April 13th to confront what they suspected were bootleggers living in the garage apartment, but it was actually the Barrow brothers. Uh, The Bear Brothers and Jones opened fire, killing Detective Harry L. McGinnis outright and fatally wounding Constable J.W. Harriman. The group escaped the police at Joplin, but left behind most of their possessions at the apartment, including a camera with several rolls of undeveloped film. Police developed the film at the Joplin Globe and found many photos of Clyde, Bonnie, and Jones posing and pointing weapons at one another. Uh, The Globe sent the photos over the newswire, including a photo of Bonnie clenching a cigar in her teeth and a pistol in her hand, and the gang of criminals became front page news throughout America as the Barrow Gang. Uh, The group ranged from Texas as far north as Minnesota for the next three months. In May, they tried to rob a bank in Lucerne, Indiana, and robbed the bank in Okabana, Minnesota. Can you imagine that with a Minnesota accent? Okabana, Minnesota. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, they later abducted Dillard Darby and Sophia Stone at Ruston, Louisiana, uh, in the course of stealing Darby's car. This was one of several events between 1932 and 1934 in which they kidnapped police officers or robbery victims. Now, when they did this, they usually released their hostages far from home, sometimes with money to help them return home. So it's like, not the worst case scenario, but still they're kind of like, <laughs> you're doing yeah. a bad thing, but you're like, here's some money to help you get home. Mm-hmm. Um, the photos uh, entertained the public for a time, but the gang was desperate and discontented, as described by Blanche in her account written while imprisoned in late 1930s. With their new notoriety, their daily lives became more dis- difficult as they tried to evade discovery. Buck and Jones bungled, Buck and Jones bungled, (laughs) this just sounds so funny. Um, Buck and Jones bungled a robbery and murdered town marshal Henry D. Humphrey in Alma, Arkansas, uh, adding another murder to their list of crimes. So in July, 1933, the gang checked into the Red Crown Tourist Court south of Platte City, Missouri. They attracted a lot of attention, even though they were kind of like, trying to stay away from police Mm. Uh, but that that led to police staking out the place and eventually starting a shootout Uh, the gang managed to hold off the police and escape um, and they evaded the law once again but buck had sustained a bullet wound that blasted a large hole in his forehead skull bone and exposed his injured brain It just, it reminds me of, like, some of those stories of, like, people who have, like, 
like they're missing part of their like face or brain or mm. whatever but they're still like acting like nothing happened yeah they're just in shock um, they just didn't realize that something horrific has happened yeah um and then also blanche was nearly blinded by glass fragments in both of her eyes this is not a story for the squeamish <laughs> yeah it's just anything to do with eyes like eyes have always freaked me out when i since i was like a kid mm. um but like eye trauma and yeah. stuff like that especially from that one movie that came out recently or not recently but a while ago Brightburn where like something had mm. exploded and then she got like a piece of glass in her eye and the thing yeah. is like, you're, you're not supposed to touch it you're not supposed to take it out because then your eye is just gonna um yeah bleh. okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh the barrel gang camped at Dexfield Park an abandoned amusement park near Dexter Iowa in July 24th, or on July 24th. Uh, Buck was sometimes semi-conscious and he even talked and ate, but his massive head wound and loss of blood were so severe that Clyde and Jones actually dug a grave for him. Local residents noticed their bloody bandages and officers determined that the campers were the Barrow Gang. Local police officers and approximately 100 spectators surrounded the group and the Barrow soon came under fire. Like, hundred spectators they're just watching this happen yeah they're like let's just see what <laughs> happens you know there's nothing good on like, this gonna, the radio this or whatever there's gonna be a shootout no matter what's happening so like why would you yeah. yeah people are just bored yeah there's no television back then yeah <laughs> um clyde bonnie and jones escaped on foot Buck was shot in the back and he and his wife were captured by the officers. Buck died of his head wound and pneumonia after surgery five days later at King's Daughters Hospital in Perry, Iowa. For the next six weeks, the remaining perpetrators ranged far afield from their usual area of operations, west to Colorado, north to Minnesota, southeast to the Mississippi. Uh, yet they continued to commit armed robberies. They restocked their arsenal when Clyde and Jones robbed an armory in Platteville, Illinois on August 20th, acquiring three BARs. I guess that's a special kind of uh, machine gun, mm -hmm. uh, some handguns, and a large quantity of ammunition. By early September, the gang risked a run to Dallas to see their families for the first time in four months. Jones parted company with them, continuing to Houston where his mother had moved. And he was promptly arrested there without notable incident on November 16th and returned to Dallas. Uh, Clyde continued to commit small robberies throughout the fall and narrowly avoided arrest again in November 22nd, 1933. Later on the 28th, a Dallas grand jury delivered a murder indictment against Bonnie and Clyde for the killing like earlier of January that year, nearly 10 months earlier, of Tarrant County Deputy Malcolm Davis. And this was actually Bonnie's first warrant for murder. I guess they thought that she wasn't really she was any, just part in of, any way responsible. Yeah, she was just part of the Barrow Gang, but she was just implicated. Yeah. Um, on January 16th, 1934, Clyde orchestrated the escape of Raymond Hamilton, Henry Methven, and several others in the Etham, Eastham breakout. Uh, the brazen raid generated negative publicity for Texas, and Clyde seemed to have achieved what historian Phillips suggested. I don't know who Phillips is, where did this come from? Uh, what historian Phillips suggested was his overriding goal, which was attaining revenge on the Texas Department of Corrections. Interesting fact about Raymond Hamilton. By the time he was 20 years old, he had accumulated a jail sentence of 362 years. What, actually? Yeah. Oh, I mean, good for him. That's a pretty cool record. But yeah, it's not <laughs> good to have that long of a sentence, but. It's like, he murdered people, Max. I, I know, I know. <laughs> He's our age and he murdered people. <laughs> okay, I just think it's a cool, it's a cool number. But yeah, for sure, like the stuff behind the number isn't good. It was like, uh, cool motive, still murder. Yeah. <laughs> or cool, cool record, still murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barrow gang member Joe Palmer shot Major Joe Croson uh, during his escape, and Croson died a few, few days later in hospital. 
This attack attracted the full power of the Texas and federal government to the manhunt for Bonnie and Clyde. The Texas Department of Corrections contacted former Texas Ranger, Captain Frank Hamer, and persuaded him to hunt down the Barrow Gang. So he was retired, but his commission had not expired. Uh, he accepted the assignment as a Texas Highway Patrol officer, secondarily assigned to the prison system as a special investigator, and given the task of specific, oh wait, given the specific task of taking down the Barrow Gang. Clyde and Methvin killed Highway Patrolman H.D. Murphy and Edward Bryant Wheeler on Easter Sunday, April 1st, 1934, at the intersection of Route 114 and Dove Road near Grapevine, Texas. An eyewitness account said that Bonnie and Clyde fired the fatal shots, and this whole entire story got widespread coverage. Uh, the public outrage at the Grapevine murder spurred the authorities into action. The Highway Patrol boss, L.G. Fares, uh, offered a reward of $1,000 for the dead bodies of the Grapevine Slayers. Not their capture, just the bodies. Mm. Uh, I guess $1,000 was a lot of money back then. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it still is now, but uh, it's mm. not going to buy a house now. Uh, Texas Governor Ma Ferguson uh, added another reward of $500 each of the two killers which meant that for the first time, there was a specific price on Bonnie's head since she was widely believed to have shot H.D. Murphy. Uh, public yeah. cost, oops, sorry. sorry. Texas had a female governor in the 1920s, or the 1930s, go for them. Ah, Ferguson. <laughs> you, did you look them up? Uh, she is- the Miriam A. Ferguson. Yeah, one of the first women of any, to be governor of any state, along with Nellie Taylor Ross. Ooh. Who was the governor of Wyoming? Nice. We just learn something every day. Yeah. Well, well and they called her Ma because of Miriam A. Mm -hmm. M A. Yeah. Um, Texas and Wyoming. You wouldn't think those two would be the first two, but you never know. Yeah. I guess nowadays, I'm sure things have definitely changed, but. I don't have that much faith in <laughs> American, uh, what do you call it? State governments down mm -hmm. there yeah uh public <laughs> sorry wait we have a lot of american listeners who probably be careful with that <laughs> I, I said the government not yeah the yeah yeah like it's like whenever you're like criticizing a certain country or whatever you criticize the government you don't criticize the people yeah <laughs> yeah okay, I don't know. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, digging a hole digging a hole that's okay uh, that's all right we can always get that part out yeah um public hostility increased five days later when clyde and methvin murdered 60 year old constable william cal campbell a widower and father near commerce oklahoma this guy's still working as like a police officer at 60 i guess so i mean good yeah. for him but i mean you're all here but i mean you're a constable i'm sure you probably made a good pretty good money yeah i guess so yeah. Uh, Clyde was consistent in his movements, so Hamer, uh, the big honcho guy who's looking for him, uh, who led the posse, charted Clyde's path and predicted where he would go. So that's not a very good thing for a criminal to do, to have a, a pattern. Mm -hmm. um, the gang's itinerary centered on family visits, and they were due to see Methvin's family in Louisiana. So in case they were separated, uh, Clyde had designated Methvin's parents' residence as a rendezvous and Methvin had been separated from the rest of the gang in Shreveport. Hamer's posse was composed of six men. So you had Texas officers Hamer, Hinton, Alcorn, and B.M. Maney Gott, and Louisiana officers Henderson Jordan and Prentice Morrill Oakley. The full posse set up an ambush along Louisiana State Highway 154, south of Gibsland, towards Sales on May 21st. So they waited all of May 22nd, but no one showed up. But at about 9.15 a.m. on May 23rd, the posse were still concealed in the bushes and were almost ready to give up when they heard the Ford V8 Clyde was driving, approaching at high speeds. Uh, the lawmen opened fire when the vehicle was still moving. 
And it was said that Oakley fired first, probably before any order to do so. Uh, Barrow was reportedly killed instantly by Oakley's headshot with a 38 Remington Model 8, um, but that didn't stop the officers from continuing to fire at the car. Overall, they fired about 130 rounds, emptying their weapons into the car. After all the exploits and robberies, Bonnie and Clyde were finally dead. The posse towed the Ford with the dead body still inside to the Conger Furniture Store and Funeral Parlor in downtown Indiana, Arcadia, Louisiana. Can you imagine, like, I'm going to make a store. And it's going to be half furniture store and half funeral parlor. Yeah. Although, I mean, it's like, probably what a pretty, combo. It's pretty easy for like wills and testaments. Like, just go to the, if there's no family, just like go with all, with all your possessions and the body at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> just get like a big, big moving truck. And then you just, yeah. here's coffin, here's the chaise lounge, <laughs> and then here's all yeah. these other things that we need to sell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the population of Northwest Louisiana or of the Northwest Louisiana town reportedly grew from 2000 to 12,000 within hours as curious crowds arrived by train, horseback, buggy and plane. So profiting off of the situation, the price of beer normally sold at 15 cents a bottle jumped to 25 cents and sandwiches quickly sold out. Apparently multiple, this is kind of gross, Apparently, multiple people tried to take their own souvenirs. So one man attempted to cut off Clyde's ear to take home, and another tried to take his trigger finger before being stopped by law enforcement. Like, oh yeah. God. He just walked up with, like, a pocket knife, and he's like, yeah, well, I'm just going to take something back for the kids. Yeah, like, that's just, like, so gross. Like, why do you want that? Just, like, take a picture and go. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if they would have had... Well, you have to like set up the camera on the tripod and then do like yeah, <laughs> flash a light and whatever. It's just easier to cut off his finger than take a picture. And it's like, what's he gonna do with it? Is he gonna like pickle it or? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that, also, also, who would believe you if you're like, I have Clyde Barrow's finger? <laughs> like, okay, guy, so <laughs> I'm gonna put the finger. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Bonnie and Clyde wished to be buried side by side, but the Parker family would not allow it. Bonnie's funeral services were held on May 26, where more than 20,000 people attended Bonnie's funeral. And her family even had like difficulty reaching her graveside because there were so many people. Uh, she was later buried in the Fish Trap Cemetery, although she was moved in 1945 to the new Crown Hill Cemetery in Dallas. Clyde's private funeral was held at sunset on May 25th, and he was later buried in Western Heights Cemetery in Dallas next to his brother Marvin. The bullet-riddled Ford and the shirt that Barrow was wearing have been in the casino of the Whiskey Pete's, or of Whiskey Pete's in Prim, Nevada since 2011. Previously, they were at display, or on display at the Prim Valley's Resort and Casino. So that's kind of weird, especially the shirt bit. Meh. Well, if they moved um, to Nevada, they would. I don't think they ever went to Nevada, at least in the show. <laughs> like they yeah, were, no. I, although I mean, that's like that's like kind of as a resort. I'm sure they've been like decided that Bonnie and Clyde's car. Yeah. Uh, so Arthur Penn directed Bonnie and Clyde, the 1967 uh, film, which starred Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway. Um, who are incidentally also the people that led to the giant flub at the Oscars, um, where Warren Beatty said, La La Land. Oh, yeah. Instead of Moonlight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oy. Oh, I remember, like, everyone, like, there was so many, like, parodies of that, like, that year, like, in, like, like, just comedy and music shows, like, they had, like, a whole Simpsons thing about it, and, like, I'm just trying to get other examples, but like everyone just everyone just made them so like feel so bad. <laughs> Which yeah, yeah, like you told you called them the wrong name, and then like you, yeah. Well, they were also given the wrong envelope. Yeah, so I, I saw thing. I saw a video about like, like how it happened and like how it got it wrong. 
Yeah. Like they gave them the wrong, like it was Emma Stone's envelope for best actress. They were like, La La Land for Emma Stone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no. So if I were Emma Stone, I would feel so bad accepting that award. Not, I wouldn't feel bad, but I would just feel so embarrassed. Like, sorry, that was my envelope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there was also the Netflix film, The Highwaymen in 2019, a bit more recent. Uh, showing the Texas Rangers on a successful hunt for the pair. So the film starred Kevin Costner as Frank Hamer and Woody Harrelson as Manny Gott. Hmm. Uh, and then the TV show that I was talking about, the miniseries Bonnie and Clyde, which uh, aired on Lifetime, the History Channel, and A&E uh, in December of 2013 with Emile Hirsch and Holiday Granger. And then in November 2009, the musical Bonnie and Clyde premiered at La Jolla Playhouse in San Diego. And Broadway performers Laura Osnes and Jeremy Jordan starred respectively as Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow. So that's what I got. Yay. Okay, yeah. So we have the cast, sorry, sorry, the characters. So Bonnie Parker is a young, naive waitress who dreams of stardom and gets swept up when an adventure shows up. Uh, Clyde Barrow, a young, headstrong fugitive who escapes from prison and goes off on the lamb. Uh, Blanche Barrow, married to Buck, presents that he escaped from prison and urges that he go, goes back. Uh, Buck Barrow, married to Blanche, brother to Clyde, goes to prison and subsequently escapes with Clyde. Um, and then there's also other cast, other characters are um, Ted Hinton, the preacher, Sheriff Schmid, young Clyde, young Bonnie, and Emma Parker. Um, and then, so the music is by Frank Wildhorn, lyrics by Don Black, and book by even Ivan Menchel. Um, so Frank Wildhorn was born in Harlem, New York in 1958. After teaching himself piano and writing music, he went to Miami Dade College before transferring to the University of South California. He started writing songs in the Platinum Music Arena, working with Natalie Cole, Kenny Rogers, Patti LaBelle, and Linda, Linda Eder, who he was married to. He wrote Where Does the Broken Heart Go for Whitney Houston in 1988, where it became an international hit number one hit. In 1999, he had three shows running consecutively on Broadway, Jekyll and Hyde, uh, the, the Scarlet Pimpernel, and The Civil War. However, Ooh, all, all... Which one are we going to be covering in <laughs> I know. Month? Yeah, we're doing Jekyll and Hyde uh, in... Um, surprise! <laughs> the first, yeah, it's the episode coming out after uh, our book club episode. Yeah, so we're doing Oh, Jekyll yeah, I forgot yeah. about the... Um, so yeah, this, uh, we're doing Jack, uh, the curious case of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde for uh, our, our third book club book, but you'll hear about that a week ago. Um, <laughs> trying to think about the timeline. Um, so yeah, Jeff and Hyde, Scarlet Pimpernel, Brunel, and the Civil War were all probably at the same time. However, all three shows operated at a loss ultimately, approaching uh, $20 million lost. Uh, yeesh. Yeah. Um, although Jekyll and Hyde ran for like four years, so I'm not sure how it lost money, but like maybe it was expensive to run. Yeah, maybe they had like big sets and yeah, costumes, expensive and costumes and that. I think it's a big cast too. I'm not sure. We'll look into it later. Um, other musicals include Carmen, The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, Count of Monte Cristo, and Wonderland, Alice's New Musical Adventure. He has been nominated for one Grammy and two Tonys, including one for this show, for the uh, score. And then Don Black was born in London, England to Russian Jewish parents from Ukraine. He hey. served as uh, Matt Monroe's manager as well as writing his English lyrics. Uh, Black's early, early career is often defined by his connection with the James Bond franchise. Writing the lyrics for the main theme of Thunderball, Diamonds Are Forever, The Man with the Golden Gun, Tomorrow Never Dies, and The World's Not Enough. Um, are you a big James Bond person? I'm not sure if you are um i like it okay uh, okay i wasn't sure because you have like some niches that you're like really into and i wasn't sure if that was one of them but (laughs) (laughs) um we did like a or we watched i think it was like last summer that we watched skyfall and then we went back and watched uh casino royale and just seeing Mm -hmm. like how different they were before they kind of finally got into its groove yeah with skyfall yeah i like daniel craig um yeah has it just Elba been announced yet? Hmm? Has it just Elba been announced yet as the next James Bond? I think they're still stalling with that. Yeah. Because I thought that. <laughs> Give us just Elba, Give us nothing at all. 
Yeah, I thought that like Daniel Craig didn't want to do it after Skyfall, but they got him for another movie and then now he's got another one that is eventually going to come out. It was supposed to come out in November of last year, but... Uh, no Time to Die is coming out uh, 25th. Oh my god, stop making them. <laughs> What's left? <laughs> um, it's scheduled for September 30th in the UK and October 8th in, in uh, the US. So, yeah. Um, yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, so he won the Oscar for Best Song at the 1966 Academy Awards for the title song for the movie Born Free, as well as going nominated for the Grammy Song of the Year. Mm. Other notable songs include Two Thur with Love, uh, True Grit, and On Days Like These from the Italian Job. Uh, they apparently had an opening theme to True Grit that he was here for. <laughs> Um, like the original True Grit movie, not like the recent one. Yeah, it's the one with uh, John Wayne. Yeah, the Western. I guess they're both Westerns, but the, this is a modern Western one. Yeah, you got one with Jeff Bridges and Haley Steinfeld, and then you get uh, uh, the old one with uh, John, John Wayne. Yeah, didn't she win for that? She won something for that. No. Maybe like a Golden Globe, I don't know, but I don't think it was, or maybe she was nominated. Maybe she was nominated. Yeah. Um, sorry, it's going to me. Uh, yeah, she was nominated for that, for the uh, Oscar, but she didn't win. Yeah. That's too bad. Um, I think she, I would remember. That was really was. good, though. Who else was there? Um, like, who won it? That, that year, uh, that was 2011. Uh, Octavia Spencer for The Help. Well, Wait, yeah. no, sorry. Uh, hmm? No, sorry, Melissa Leo for The Fighter. I I can't place her. I, uh, what else has she been in? Um, the Most Hid Woman in America. Um, Wayward Pines. She was in All My Children. equalizer too. Um, oh is she the one he's or she was the friend who got killed and that's why Denzel Washington was like I gotta avenge my friend maybe uh, let's find out um, I, I only know that because Peter Pascal was in that movie <laughs> yeah I saw the Pascal um, yeah. yeah yeah she is the one that died <laughs> well there wasn't you but <laughs> um, well it's in the trailer yeah. Um, and anyways, uh, John Blast's other musicals include Billy, Barmer's Boy, uh, Dear Anyone, as well as collaborations with Andrew Lloyd Webber on shows Tell Me on a Sunday, Aspects of Love, and Sunset Boulevard, um, mm-hmm. starring Glenn Close. Oh, we love Glenn Close. That's another one that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, while not lasting long on Broadway, Bonnie and Clyde's soundtrack became one of Lux Black's most successful scores. He was nominated for Best Original Score for Bonnie and Clyde. And then Ivan Menchel, uh, his private credits include Bonnie and Clyde for the book, Chitty uh, Chitty Bang Bang, Additional Material, and The Cemetery, Cemetery Club. Off Broadway Tours, uh, Off Broadway Tours includes Spelling Crew, um, The Prince and the Popper, and Surprise Party. For the screen, Mr. Menchel wrote an adaptation of his play, The Cemetery Club, starring Ellen Burstyn, Diane, Diane Ladd, and Olivia Dukakis. Uh, he's co-writer of Samuel God- Goldwyn's Napoleon and served as a writer on uh, Universal's animated feature, Curious George. An Emmy-nominated television writer, he created the critically acclaimed Showtime series, Bedtime, and has served as a writer, executive producer on Disney Channel's Philip Feature, and Jonas, starring the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> um, he was also a writer-producer of long-running CBS comedy, The Nanny. Oh. And... <laughs> And the Fox Dramatic series Time of Your Life, starring Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh, Ivan, yeah, Ivan. The, the, the sorry. No worries, sorry. <laughs> the, the, the nanny has a lot of like musical theater references because of uh, Mr. Sheffield. Because <laughs> he's like he he always says that Andrew Lloyd Webber is like his arch nemesis in the musical theater <laughs> production world. That's fun. <laughs> Um, Ivan is a recipient of a Fulbright Fellowship for his playwriting and a graduate of the Yale School of Drama. That's exciting. Um, am I okay to go into the cast? 
Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we've already covered Laura Osnes in our Cinderella episode, but let's go into the same little bio. Laura Osnes was born in Burnsville, Minnesota. She was born, she was part of the television competition Grease, You're the One That I Want, where she won first place and was given the role of Sandy on Broadway, which marks her Broadway debut. She's gone on to perform on Broadway in shows such as Anything Goes, Bonnie Clyde, and Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. And for the last two, she received Tony nominations. Um, yeah, so the show received two Tony nominations, and she was one of them that they're most for. Uh, did not win either because it was not a great show. <laughs> um, or and, I mean, it was a good show, but it's just not like what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jeremy Jordan, uh, <laughs> one of Broadway's ten boyfriends. <laughs> um, he was born in Corpus Christi, Texas, on November twentieth, nineteen eighty-four. He graduated from Ithaca College with a BFA in music theater. After graduation, he appeared in various productions of Connecticut, including Big River and Little Dot that Left. He made his Broadway debut in Rock of Ages in 2009. His next Broadway role was as the alternate Tony in West Side Story. Uh, he joined the cast of Bonnie Clive for the out-of-town tryout in Sarasota, Florida. He stayed with production until the end of the Broadway run on December 30th, 2011, 29 days after it opened. Uh, he joined the cast of Newsies um, at Paper Mill Playhouse in September 2011, staying with cast through Broadway, getting nominated for Tony for Best Leading Actor and Musical, as well as getting nominated for the Grammy for Best Music Theater Album. After a series of concerts, he appeared in the film adaptation of the last five years as Jane Blarstein. Um, despite the bad box office results, uh, Jordan's performance was met with widespread praise. Um, so that's the show that we saw last year in September. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was he paired up with Anna Kendrick? Yeah. Hmm. You don't like her? No. Well, I used to like her until I got word that she was mean to, like, oh. what do you call it? Customer service people. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. So it's kind of damaged my perception of her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I watched um, a couple of videos. I heard the movie wasn't great, just like the way it was shot and like the, it doesn't, it isn't a great translation. Hmm. Like I think, because the whole concept of the show is like it's telling the story from one side, like from like the the end to the beginning and the beginning to the end. So it's yeah. hard to like film that and to have it like it's a really conceptual musical, like in terms of staging and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it would like, be hard to like, capture it in the screen when you can when everything's just fed to you. Yeah, like some yeah. things just shouldn't be on film. Yeah, for sure. Like or weren't meant for film. Yeah, for sure. Like um, I feel like Rent and Cats come to mind. <laughs> they're very different musicals but like they're like they're very like bohemian where they have like it's not supposed to be like in the setting it's supposed to be like out there for interpretation mm-hmm. um jordan was cast in the musical musical drama comedy joyful noise with kiki palmer dolly Parton, and queen tifa um he appeared in supergirl on the cw as winslow Winshot jr other Broadway shows include Finding Neverland, American Sun, and Waitress. Yeah. Um, do you watch Supergirl? Uh, never got into it. Yeah. I was more of a Green Arrow and Flash. Yeah. Gal, but uh, I stopped those once they started getting really confusing. <laughs> once you bring in like alternate realities, I just check out. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, and he is set to be in Little Shop of Horrors when it eventually comes back. Um, but we'll see when it comes back. <laughs> Although a lot of shows are announcing that we're returning. Uh, I think the earliest one is um, oh, the new one that's in August Wilson. Uh, Wasn't uh, Hades Town coming back really quick? I think, yeah, I think they're like beginning of September, I think, or like yeah. end of August. Did you, like did you H- see Hades Town and Six? I know Six is back somewhere. I can't remember where. I think those two will probably come up back a little bit earlier because it's a pretty small cast. Mm-hmm. Like I guess he used to have an ensemble, but it's only like five people. Um, but yeah, did you see the pictures of the uh, South Korea cast of Town? No, I didn't. Oh, they're so pretty. It looks so good. Um, <laughs> it's on the uh, Instagram, I think. Okay. Uh, we should start posting on Instagram more often. Yeah. <laughs> like retweeting things. I love whenever I post something that uh, it shows me that Jonathan Winsby has seen it. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, oh, man after my own heart. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Hades Town will come back to Broadway on September 2nd, uh, South Korea, August 2021, and North American tour, October 2021. Ooh. Yeah. Um, are there Does any, like... this show have a big, uh... ooh, it was uh, like a. a a run in was it Japan or Korea? Yeah, they um so it hasn't really been produced in like the Western world as like since it's been um like since it was on Broadway, but like now they have they had a Japan tour, a soul production, Polzen. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that. Is that like that's um I can't help you. <laughs> it's uh it's a Czech production in Oh, yeah, from Prague, I think. Uh, Pilsen is how you pronounce it. It's west of Prague, so it's like, yeah. I want to go to Prague. Oh. I is was that... going to go to Prague. <laughs> yeah, you will go to Prague, I believe you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's also an, oh, why are these names so hot? No, it's not why it's so hard. It's why I was like raised with the strictly English society. <laughs> Um, there was a production uh, staged in Sweden, and I will spell it out E K S J O. And I'm sure it's a. Do you. Exio? Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> um, that was staged know. in uh, February 2020. So hopefully, you got Wait, out is, of the way. is there like an O with a like line through it? It has like the two dots on top. Oh. Umlaut. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's been, uh, have, there's been some productions in like the, in the States and Canada, but not too many. Yeah, because there is quite a fascination with like American crime. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, for in, sure. In the Eastern countries. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I think back of on is like in the movie Parasite. Have you seen that? Oh, it's so good. Yeah, where the, the little kid is obsessed with the, like cowboys and mm -hmm. the yeah what do you call it? Native Americans Native Americans yeah yeah I was like I don't want to use that the mm. weird term outdated yeah um yeah it's I remember Misha telling me when we were watching that movie for the first time that the English test that they take is way harder than anything we would have to take here mm. like it's like mastering English it's really really hard and it's like dude we I, don't even do that here I think I'm like barely, barely passing English for mastery <laughs> I, I'm having like a difficult time in my English course right now because it's requiring a lot of reading and I just don't have the capacity to focus yeah <laughs> too much anymore and then everyone's talking about like oh all these like really metaphorical whatever things and like yeah. deep profound analyses of the, of the text and I'm like mm. yeah <laughs> but the, um yeah <laughs> yeah do you have a favorite song um I liked picture show mm. and you love who you love yeah um I do have a least favorite song yeah sure. just because I was like eh, I don't really like this one but yeah. uh what what was good enough for you oh really yeah, I didn't like it. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, I don't know if it was just because I just very twangy and yeah. uh, countryish, which yeah. uh, just does not speak to me. It's a lot uh, of it's a lot of reprises in this show. Like the last five songs are reprises. <laughs> yeah, but the like the last dance one, I forget what it's called. It is kind of just like them, like. Well, that one's nice. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think my favorite songs are probably um. Uh, raise a little hell, the world remember us, and dying ain't so bad. Ooh. Like the, the dying ain't so bad, like the climax of that song, and she's like, I will believe in life and just a year. Like that's always posted on like, all of like the Broadway stand accounts. Yeah, Just, I was uh, also thinking like, you shouldn't be willing to die for <laughs> like leave his ass. <laughs> yeah, I just can't imagine like. I don't know if it's just the fact that I've never dated anyone or experienced love or whatever, but I'm just like, yeah, I don't see myself dying like for yeah. someone like that. Like they're 29, which I guess is a 
a little bit more mature than us, but like it's only eight years more than us. They they weren't twenty nine. Were they? No, they were like twenty three and twenty five. Oh, then that's even worse. <laughs> Where'd you get twenty nine from? I don't know. Yeah. So, well, they met when she was nineteen, he was twenty, and then they died when she was twenty three. He was fifteen. Okay. Oh wait, no, twenty five. <laughs> Going back in time. Uh, yeah yeah which i'm like you did all of this in that amount of time well then yeah. again that one guy he did commit a bunch of murders which racked up a huge count before yeah. he was like 20 and then he was sent to the electric chair at 20 mm-hmm. so i am um, the thing that show does is that it makes bonnie seem a lot more sympathetic than she actually was it makes her seem like a lot more naive like like she was actively doing these things and like didn't she she killed somebody right allegedly allegedly okay um yeah you had some eyewitness people's being like oh yeah i saw her kill someone Mm -hmm. but uh especially in the television show that i watched there was like that one time that she was caught and was tried or not tried but i guess she was put before a grand jury Mm -hmm. um she just really she used her acting chops like she she really wanted to be an actress so she used her acting chops to make it seem like that Clyde was really in control the entire time mm-hmm. and that she was just this poor helpless little woman mm-hmm. and when she was like uh in what do you like indicted or whatever yeah. um then she afterwards she was just like well that was probably my best performance yet <laughs> and yeah. I was like Ooh! um the, another another difference is that um Clyde kills Buck in the show. Oh, like Mercy Killer? No, I think straight up, like, uh, uh, where is it? Uh, I thought it was a Mercy Killing. Oh, wait, no, it's a shootout. Um, yeah, shootout, and then he couldn't go any further. Uh, mm. Oh, when he's walking and talking with a hole in his head, like, yeah. Okay, anyways, sorry, I got that wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I don't like um, when I drive, I feel like the filler song, and I don't understand what it's trying to do, but it's okay. I'm not a writer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. There are some pretty hokey songs in the show. <laughs> yep. Like when Very I drive, country. and like God's Art was always open, I'm like, okay, like. <laughs> Back to and back. <laughs> you're going back to jail, Buck. Yeah. But like how he's like, you're going back to jail, Buck. And he's like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I think I read this in an interview somewhere. Um so did you watch it at all? Uh a little bit. I seemed. Okay. So did you see the video, like the part where um they were like in the bathtub and like he was like saying to her? Mm-hmm. Um, so he was naked and Laura Osnes was like, I don't want to see that. So they put like like bubbles over top. <laughs> Why? Like he, he wanted he wanted to be naked and she was like i don't want to see him so she uh yeah well yeah duh like yeah like, like also they, it's it's a stage play and he's just like you know what it isn't called for but i'm gonna do full frontal nudity yeah even and, though you don't even see anything and it doesn't add anything to the plot like it blacks out when he said he gets to the bathtub so like what's the point <laughs> yeah i'm like Jeremy Jordan, good for you, but like also that's, like, do we like do we need it? Do we need it? That's slightly a red flag. Yeah, but I mean they're good friends, so I feel like he wouldn't like. Yeah, but if he knows that she's uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, do you have a favorite character? I don't know. It's kind of the only two main characters. There are like other side characters, but it's just kind of like. Yeah, I didn't pay attention to any of the other characters really, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess Bonnie. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like <laughs> so uh, unlikable characters. Yeah. Like, if they, like, if you go in with the idea, because we all, like, everyone knows, well, not everyone knows, like, the kind of the gist of Bonnie and Clyde. So yeah. I feel like everyone always I mean, knows they're always they're just gonna be murderers and that'll be it. Yeah. And their story is heavily romanticized. Mm-hmm. And it just. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me a bit of, like, Oh, what's her name? It's like the Paul Bernardo and the, I forget her name, but they're the Canadian serial killers. 
I don't know. Who like I think he's he's up for parole. Actually, this is why that oh. got into my head. He's up for parole. She's out. Oh, Paul Bernardo, that came out pretty fast. And uh, what's her name? Homolka? Carla? Maybe? Uh, the Ken and Barbie name? killers? Uh, Carla Homolka. Mm-hmm. Wait, so I remember he... reading like a, an article talking about how that, like, because she has a kid. So she mm-hmm. was like, picking up her kid and some of the other like parents were like we don't want this woman around our children yeah and like you know naturally yeah wait so is he his parole hearing is june 22nd Oof. Mm-hmm. it better get denied yeah those I mean, crimes I, are something you shouldn't come back from i mean i see the word shank here so <laughs> oh that's a that's not good okay yeah that's Keep him in there. I don't, and the, the carceral system can be definitely be shifted and changed to like not to like maybe not reform, but like because like some people can't be reformed. Well, that's, that's like if you have a high risk offender and you're putting them back out into society, I don't think that's what you should do. Like Just if you keep them back, if you treat them like dogs, they're gonna act like dogs. So like like once they're in there, yes, make sure that we know they did something bad. But like, put that thing back where it came from, or so help me. (laughs) She's done that. Like, she's done that. This isn't how life should be, and you can change. Oh, you can't. You can't change what you did, but you can change the future behind bars. Um, (laughs) It got really complicated really quickly. I the prison system is a mess, and I don't know how to fix it because I'm not a criminal justice person. But yeah, but when like you, yeah, kill your own sister yeah and whatever like yeah and then she pinned it all on him like she didn't help or whatever i just think it was more about reform rather than punishment but that's a whole other issue yeah reform but keep them in there yeah anywho um <laughs> don't know this to, has been a know. criticism of the justice this system has been a, this has been a weird episode about with like, max and annika <laughs> <laughs> well we um, haven't done this for a while it's been over a week since we yeah. last recorded yeah, but like earlier, yeah, earlier we were talking about like the, like, like the gross, gruesome things from the show. But like, we well, they didn't show like, it. They didn't show it, but like the like sorry, the story about it inside. Yeah, um, like they they kept it out because who wants to hear about a finger being cut yeah, off? Yeah, we don't want to see Jerry Jordan walking around with the cut off hose. <laughs> I found it strange that they didn't show the ambush. Yeah. They just had them driving, and then all of a sudden, like, the newspaper clipping comes up. Like, they did show photos, though. Mm. But, uh... I just feel it be very gruesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I've made, uh... I've already made our theme lover for when the episode comes out. Oh, nice. Cool. Uh, let me find it. Oh, by the um, way, you you can get your t-shirts at redbubble.com. <laughs> Oh, you made it? Yeah, I did. Does, and I ordered one. Oh, nice. Does it cost anything to put it Or is it just like... Yeah, it was like... Um, well, because I used a coupon. So it was like 14 bucks for the t-shirt. Oh, but to like put it on there, it doesn't cost nothing. No, it doesn't cost anything. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. so you can buy it. <laughs> yeah, buy you a shirt on Rebel. <laughs> buy a shirt on Rebel. One thing I was thinking, because it said like, oh, do you own this piece of artwork? And I was like... Oh. Well, we paid for it. Yeah. We didn't sign any uh contract. We didn't sign a contract that said uh, we owned it. So I don't know if we're gonna get into any trouble about that. But that would be a conversation with Haley for sure. Yep. Yeah. Where the heck did I put this uh, thing? Is there anything else I want to talk about? Uh, not particularly. Cool. Yeah, it was. I like to show. Uh, sorry. No, 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 not like that. Cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like it was a good show and it was fun, but it's definitely not my favorite. It's definitely there's some there's some fun moments, just mostly from the two leads, but like other than that, it's just kind of like trying to make us sympathize with two murderers. Yeah, and it was kind of hard to like research them. Well, I I had known what had happened, I just didn't know the full extent. But when I'm like reciting it back, like oh, they killed this person, 
-hmm. And then later they went over here. They robbed from this store and then they also killed that person. It's just not very interesting. No. The only thing that's (laughs) particularly interesting is just how they ended up dying. Yeah. Yeah, I just felt like it was just like a big map of them like going here and here and here. I think that's one thing the show like did pretty well is like pretty made made it pretty concise and didn't have to name every place they were. They were just on the land somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, thank you guys for listening to episode number 26 of History in the Spotlight on Bonnie and Clyde. Um, you can find us on Instagram at History in the Spotlight. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at History in the SP1. You can email us at History in the Spotlight at gmail.com. Email us all your opinions, your uh, thoughts on the show. Do you like the show? Do you not like the show? Um, any shows we should do in the future? Uh, you can send them there. Any uh, backstage stories you want to tell us about or theater fails, we'll complete some other show. Yeah. Um, yeah, see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye.